Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Dr. St. John, good to have you with us. How are you, sir? I'm quite well, Roy. Thanks very much for the invitation. Yeah, it's always good to speak with you because I, I tweeted out earlier, you answer questions, you don't talk around the questions that we ask. And this is what we need. We need answers to questions, not, well, maybe, or let me just give you the politically correct response. Let me start with this, because this is what I'm asked time and again. We hear daily infection rates over and over and over. And I have had infectious diseases experts or specialists on this program say, that's not the way we should be doing it. That's not the information lead that we should have. What do you say? Well, there's lots of information we'd like to have, we need and, and we'd like to have. Uh, some of it we do have, some of it we don't. Uh, there is still some uncertainty, especially how uh, uh, the Omicron strain is going to behave in our population, as, as opposed to how it behaved in the South African population, and they're quite different. Um, but, you know, in terms of, of uh, following uh, what's happening and uh, trying to make some predictions about what might happen, counting cases is, uh, is a classic epidemiological tool. Uh, and it is very useful. It's always very useful in the past. Uh, in the past, it's always been useful. So, yeah, we do count cases. Um, there, we always have a problem of uh, are we counting, are we undercounting cases? Um, in the case of of uh, COVID, yes, because we don't count asymptomatic cases because they don't appear uh, in our healthcare system. So, yeah, there are some caveats and difficulties, but it is a standard tool that we use all the time. Yeah. So the question uh, has been that I've been asked, and I can't answer it because I'm not an epidemiologist or a doctor. I'm, I'm a generalist. I have a Ph.D. in generalism, which means I know a lot about a little or a little about a lot, one or the other. But, uh, Dr. St. John, what's happening right now within the public health agencies that we're most familiar with, the World Health Organization, the Public Health Agency of Canada, and the Centers for Disease Control? You were a senior official with all three What's going on as far as Omicron is concerned within those agencies? Well, let me start with the World Health Organization because their their task, uh, because they have 192 member member states, their task is to have the world view, the global view, um, and so they depend on the member states to tell them what's going on locally in those countries, and then they compile what's going on globally. So you can get estimates of how many cases are infected around the world and so forth. But again, that's, those are subject to many caveats of how, how correct, uh, how complete the reporting is from different countries with different um, systems for different surveillance systems. But they, uh, they also have, um, they also can call on worldwide experts, uh, and they, they form expert groups and committees to come and, and a look at a situation and you provide guidance to uh, to the countries. Uh, as an example, the WHO provides a list of what they feel are acceptable vaccines under emergency conditions, and that's very helpful for countries that do not have regulatory bodies like ours in Canada or the FDA in the United States. So they depend on WHO's advice. That's the world world view. Um, in uh, in a place like CDC, their focus is dual, but mostly domestic. Uh, they are tracking uh, what's happening in the different states. 
and they are trying to get a handle on how severe this might be in different conditions uh, and whether this is a threat to whether this Omicron is, is going to be a big threat to our healthcare systems, hospitals, etc. Um, likewise, uh, the same thing is happening with the public health service in England and so on. Um, CDC, however, does have a capacity to look globally uh, and to provide Americans with advice on, for example, traveling to different countries and telling them when to go or not go and, and so forth. CDC also, uh, because they have a strong quarantine act and, uh, and do have control about over cruise ships, the dock in the United States, as many do, CDC can lay down rules for cruise ships, uh, which is quite impressive, actually. Mm-hmm. So when, when you look at what's happening with Omicron, and uh, you see the news, and you, you know the numbers that we're told anyway, yeah. based on, on all of your experience in public health, and I just want to remind people that uh, you were the national, lead in this, the national lead in this country for Canada's response to SARS. When you look at the information that we've received that we know about Omicron, how concerned are you about this particular variant? How worried are you about its potential severity? I just want to share with you that uh, I've been in touch with uh, um, a doctor in South Africa, trying to get him on the air. He's very busy, but he he can't join us this weekend. But he has written that he, he thinks it's possible, isn't saying this is what's going to happen, uh, but it's possible, he thinks, that Omicron could be what the final and third wave of the so-called Spanish flu was in 1918. It could be the weaker variety, the weakest yet, could be, and uh, it may spell somewhat close to the end of at least the first phase of dealing with uh, with COVID until it becomes endemic. Long question. I'm sorry, but I had to phrase it that way. Sure. Um, well, in terms of this particular strain, uh, and let me let me say, it's a lot different from 2003. Uh, and the big one of the biggest differences is uh, is how highly infectious the current Omicron strain is. I mean, highly infectious. Um, and so the it's very disconcerting and worrisome from two points of view. Number one. Um, People, people might say, uh, or we might find out, or might confirm, that it's a relatively mild disease for most people. But there may be large numbers of people who become infected because it's so infectious. And if only a small percentage end up in the hospital, that's still a lot of people ending up in the hospital, uh, even though it's a mild disease, uh, just on a percentage basis. Uh, so. We may, we may, we have some concern that this this virus may uh, indeed overload our healthcare system um, once again. Um, and n- number two, um, if a large number of people are going to get sick with this virus, even mildly so, they're going to be encouraged to stay home and isolate themselves so they don't keep spreading it. And uh, if we end up with large numbers of people at home sick in a relatively short period of time, you have to ask, what does that do to the, all the services that we depend on, like uh, the truck drivers that deliver food to the grocery store, the bus drivers, nurses who might have to be um, at home because they have COVID uh, Omicron. In other words, it has, could have a secondary impact on our society much greater yeah. than, than Delta did. Dr. St. John, what we hear 
about Omicron repeatedly is that it's going to affect the vast majority of people, perhaps everyone. So when I hear that, and I'm not against uh, taking precautionary measures, but when we hear that, and then we hear about societal restrictions in place, restaurants, bars, because you mentioned the economy, and it's a very important issue. Restaurants, bars, sporting events, anywhere where people gather. If it's going to affect everyone, how significantly contributive to controlling the situation are restrictions? It's not, well, when you say it's going to affect everyone, not exactly. I mean, first of all, anybody who's unvaccinated is obviously uh, going to be uh, at high risk for obtaining this, for, for getting this virus. Yeah. We know uh, there's a trickling of information that says that some percentage of full, uh, vaccinated people may also become infected, or even if they've had the disease once before, they may get it again. That's going to be mostly elderly people and people who have uh, a poor response to the vaccine, uh, and they don't have high degree of immunity. Uh, but uh, the rest of us are going to stay fairly healthy. Uh, we might have the, a mild version of it, but uh, uh, we, the vaccine does seem to be protecting us from serious hospitalizations and death. But, you know, you, you, you can't stand, and, this, and I've mentioned the impact on society, but you, you, the argument of, well, let's just drop everything and let the virus run haywire uh, is not going to be particularly useful, or it's going to be quite harmful, actually. So the public health measures and the vaccinations and the booster shots and all the tools that we have are really intended now to try to blunt this, the, the, the curve, try to blunt the spread of the virus as much as possible. Yeah, no, I understand that, and I've been vaccinated, and I'm in favor of vaccination, but I'm just wondering, when I hear that it's going to affect almost everybody, when we, if we step back from the vaccines for a moment and we talk about the, you know, the restrictions in societal behavior, if it's going to affect everyone, I just wonder how much the restrictions are, in fact, going to be, going to be impactful on the spread of Omicron, if it's already going to in, impact everyone. Well, for a variety of reasons, uh, I mean, no infectious disease ever infects everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, some people have enough immunity to where they won't get infected. Um, so if we, what we're trying to do is still we're trying to protect our healthcare system uh, from overload. Uh, and so we want to try to use public health measures and vaccination to target the high-risk groups, uh, try to keep them as healthy as possible. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, it may be very widespread, but uh, it won't happen all at once. I mean, every day. Uh, I mean, all in one day. So we're trying to find a balance, I think, between uh, trying to minimize the spread as much as we possibly can, uh, protect our health care system, try to protect our economy as much as we possibly can. Right. Um, meanwhile, this virus is going to be widespread. I agree. So the view was, and you and I talked about this off the air, uh, the view was, um, or we seem to be assured, that being vaccinated twice in 2021, life would be okay. We would return to life pre-COVID. Here we are in December of 21, coming to the end of the year. Among many people, there's a sense of disappointment, maybe a, an amount of loss of faith, and uh, because, you know, double vaccinated. What's, what's the vaccination solution oversold? Well, I think there's, it's an, there's a bit of an unfortunate uh, oversell, I think, of uh, 
a vaccine uh, for this particular virus. Um, I mean, the vaccine is new. Uh, we didn't know how long it would work over time. Um, and uh, I don't think people understand exactly that there's, you know, you give somebody a, a vaccination almost for any disease, you have four possible outcomes. Uh, maybe the person doesn't react to the vaccine at all. Uh, and we know that there's a percentage of people that do not react to the COVID vaccines. Small percentage, small percentage. But they don't have, as a result, they've got the shot, but they don't have a reaction. They don't have immunity. Then there are people that get uh, a, mild, a, a, a very weak reaction uh, for a whole variety of reasons. They might be very elderly, uh, frail, have com uh, uh, other conditions, etc. So they have a very, very weak reaction, and they're not very well protected. Then there are people that, of course, have a middle-of-the-road reaction, and they're okay, pretty good. Mm -hmm. And people who have a very strong reaction, and they're really quite well protected. You get your shot, you don't know which one, which one of those four groups you're in. Um, so it behooves us all, given that this virus now shows that it can evade the immunity to some extent, it behooves us all to be very careful, even though we're vaccinated. And I think people have to understand that vaccines are not magic bullets. Yeah. No, they never have been. Um, where, in the minute we have left, where are we, do you think, on this road of dealing with, living with COVID and its, and its variants? Where are we? Or if it's a nine-inning baseball game, what inning are we in? We're early in this, in this particular ball game. It's like the next ball game. Um, the, uh, we're, in the, we're early. I mean, the, I was looking at Ontario data today, and while the, cases have been, the new cases per day have been going up uh, gradually over the last couple of weeks, um, all of a sudden they're going straight up. I mean, I haven't seen a curve like that that I can remember in a long time, yeah. where the curves are going straight up, which means extensive transmission, uh, rapid, extensive transmission. Okay. So, early innings and um, the virus is up to bat and, uh, and it's batting really well, uh, unfortunately, at this time. And we have to do the best we can yes, sir. to try to curb it. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.